Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined this week by Jake McGee. Good evening. Good evening to you, sir. And by Dave Somerville. Hello. Hello, Dave. Uh, Hello. Gentlemen, week 15 is done. It was. It an, is. It, yeah, it is. It was an interesting week in the NFL. Uh, was mm. particularly with regards to the playoffs and the, um, how should we say, the playoff picture and the way things are shaping up. Uh, it's tightened up somewhat in the AFC. Um, and in the NFC, a little bit of separation from some teams, but it's all to play for still. Uh, we're going to jump straight into the um, review, the, the weekly recap, uh, with the Thursday night game between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, the week before, as we know, the Raiders had that game with Minnesota 3-0. And when we were doing our predictions for this game, I I didn't see, I thought the offense might improve slightly for the Raiders. I didn't think it was going to be a lot better. And I don't think anyone thought it was going to be particularly good or indeed a particularly high scoring game. But wouldn't you know it, the 61,654 people who piled into Allegiant Stadium watched their Las Vegas Raiders put up 21 points in the first quarter. 21 points in the second quarter. It was 42 to nothing at half time. At half time, I tell you, forty nine to nothing with ten forty two to go in the third. Um, before George Palmer took a seventy nine yard pass from Easton Stick, make forty nine seven. The Raiders then had a fumble return, make it fifty six to seven, and then Jack Jones early in the fourth quarter with an incredible sort of behind him one handed interception pick six uh, for 16 yards 63 to 7 before a couple of garbage time touchdowns uh, passes from Easton Stick to make the final score 63 to 21 this game was absolutely bonkers I don't think anyone saw it coming um Dave I'm going to chuck this one over to you quickly this was I mean you can't really get much more of a polar opposite from the week before for the Raiders. Um, but the, the defense has all, has looked good all year. We've said this before. Max Crosby has been sensational, one of the best players in the league defensively. Um, but my goodness, 63 points. What did you make of this game? I mean, I think I was... Um messaging you at the same time when I was watching the highlights of it or, or you know I was watching it back uh, I tried to watch the whole game I'd, and then I did kind of question why it, the highlights were so long as when I clicked on the link um, and then I thought you know what I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it in 40 I'll do that instead uh, and they were long as well so I thought okay something's happened here uh, I hope it's enjoyable but oh my word that is not what I thought was going to happen um, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's no words, is there? No, nope. <laughs> it's, it's just ridiculous. Um, the, the chart, they four, they, they, they lost four fumbles. Um, I mean, I mean, the, the Raiders fumbled it four times. Uh, no, sorry, they, they recovered it uh, four times. Um, and then just to top off the entire victory, what an interception from Jones! 
it's the anticipation, and then he caught it with one hand and just walked into the end zone. It's just incredible. And, you know, um, look, Easton Stick, he's been thrown into the deep end here yeah. um, on a Chargers team that is on the downslope. And it, I'm not saying, you know, they're just, they're, I mean, they never they never really had an upslope. So let's be honest, under Brandon's day, they, they they never had an upslope. Um, but obviously, uh, Justin Herbert out injured, uh, couldn't play. That this was just it was never going to go well. But uh, you know what? The Raiders they still have to go out and uh, beat them. But beat them they did. And Aiden O'Connell, four touchdowns in the game. That's that's, that's not bad. And you know what? Easton Stick, three touchdowns, one pick. Obviously, the pick not the best one. But he's still on his on his debut hundred well on on his uh, starting debut one hundred thirteen point seven QB rating twenty three or thirty two two fifty seven. The problem is those n- other nine throws were awful and some of them bad decisions. And I mean, he was lucky he wasn't picked off about twenty times in some of some of the scenarios. So um, yeah, I think the only good thing is that Brandon Staley is no longer in a job, and the Chargers have absolutely cleaned house, which I think, um, yeah, they definitely have. And I, I, I can safely say now they have cemented themselves as the LA version of the Jets, just the irrelevant New York team. <laughs> uh, Jake, when you look at the box score in this one, we've said this time, and like the box score never tells the story, but when you do look at the box score. Um, the Raiders had 21st downs, the Chargers had 18. Uh, rushing yards was 124 to 92. Um, the Raiders had 260 passing yards, the Chargers had 257. Um, you know, like total yards, 378 for the Raiders, 326 for the Chargers. Uh, <laughs> the Chargers had more time of possession. And then you look at the scoreline and go, what in the name of all creation happened in this game? And... Uh, as, as Dave mentioned, you know, four touchdowns for um, Aidan O'Connell, uh, one by Jacoby Myers, who I know you've got a lot to say about Jacoby Myers, no, Dave, yeah. but of course, Brandon Staley, as Dave has mentioned, he is gone. They have totally cleaned out the, the GM as well, I think it was, Jake, was yeah. it? Telesco. Yeah, yeah Telesco. It was gone as well. So uh, did, you have, uh, did you have any other thoughts on this game, Jake? Oh, like I say, Jacoby Myers, proven again to be a much better wide receiver. Um, absolutely laid out for a touchdown from from Adam Connell. It was a great pass. He went two for two, I think, throwing the ball, including a touchdown. It was fantastic. And like Dave's mentioned, the, the, the fumbles in this game, I mean, you can watch the game before, you can watch the entire game. It's really summed up by the Chargers immediately going three and out and then running into the punter. That really set them up for the rest of the game. It was just a calamity. There was other fumbles that went out of, gra- out of bounds or recovered by... Um, the, the Chargers themselves, they just were tripping over themselves. I don't understand what they're doing at the moment with Austin Eckler. He's like led the league in touchdowns for like three years and they're like barely using him and bringing in Kelly who immediately fumbled and using other players. And it's like, you, you know what you've got with Austin Eckler. Why are you not using Austin Eckler? It just, it just baffles me. And yeah, this was a very interesting game to watch, a very enjoyable game to watch, but I was very relieved that finally we are seeing the end of Brandon Staley. Um, like I said, last week I think it was, I'm sure at some point he may have a kind of renaissance as a, a defensive coordinator, but it was certainly time for him to go as a head coach. Sorry, Dave, on you go. I was just going to say, yeah, the, um, 
Austin Eckler only carried the ball five times in this game mm. uh, for yep. nine total yards. Um, and it was Isaiah Spiller that was getting the majority of the handoffs. He had 16 carries in the entire game. I, I, I don't know. Is he is Austin Eckler becoming the next kind of Zeke? You know, is he just kind of going to slowly drop off a little bit? Uh, but I mean, he, under a new head coach, maybe he can you know get back to what he was doing before. But yeah, I I think um I, I think what Jake was saying was right. Uh, Spiller taking all the carries says mm, there's a lot more than maybe just personnel uh, in the back room that's our the issue in. Well, in half of LA, I should say. Yeah, well, because the thing is, you're absolutely right, Jake. The last two years, Austin Eckler has led the league in touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like this year, um, because there was that one game, and I, I, I forget what it was in the game when he got run down by a linebacker or something. And I go, Austin Eckler's slow. He's always been like that. This isn't like Austin Eckler's fallen off a cliff. This is the type of player he is. He's never had that, you know, deadly breakaway speed. But he knows how to get the ball into the end zone. He's a strong runner. He can break tackles. And he's absolute dynamite in short yardage situations. But for some reason, they're not using him. And they're really not using him. So I'm not... I'm not sure exactly what's going on with uh, with Austin Eckler there. Uh, but we're going to move on, gentlemen, and we come to the uh, Saturday night games. Now, so as we said last week, um, we're actually going to be condensing, shall I say, our reviews of some of the games that we're doing, uh, particularly con- concentrating more on some of the playoff teams. We are going to go to the Saturday games. There was actually three games on the Saturday and we start with the Minnesota Vikings and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Bengals won this one 27-24 in front of 66,376 fans at Paycor Stadium. Over the Vikings, the Bengals are up to 8-6. and six. The Vikings dropped to 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, So things are certainly hotting up there. With that Bengals victory, that really moves them right up into the playoff mix mm. again. And the Vikings, well, they've got a tough road ahead of them. The the Lions are still ahead. Just looking at some of the stats from the box score here, uh, we can see that uh, Nick Mullins, who is quarterbacking for the Vikings, 26 of 33, 303 yards, two touchdowns, two picks as well. Um, On the ground, they had Ty Chandler went 23 for 132. On the other side, Jake Browning, who's looked fantastic in place of Joe Burrow. And Jake, I know you like your Jakes. Um, 29 of 42 for 324 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. On the ground, the dead biggest rush was uh, Joe Mixon. He went 10 for 47. But it was enough. Um, so, the, as I say, the Bengals, they move up to 8 and 6. The Vikings fall to 7 and 7. And it's all very much to play for indeed moving on gentlemen we come to the pittsburgh steelers at the indianapolis colts and the colts at Mm -hmm. lucas oil stadium in front of 64,171 fans won this one by a Fairly surprising score, I thought. 30 to 13, knocking the Steelers down to 7 and 7, and the Colts up to 8 and 6. And we're really seeing these backup quarterbacks. Uh, this is no different. Gardner Minshew, 18 of 28 for 215 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, he had a rating of 123.4 in this game. 
Uh, on the other side, Mitchell Trubisky, 16 of 23 for 169, one touchdown, two picks. Uh, Najee Harris mm-hmm. uh, lost a fumble in this game as well. Mm-hmm. So before we move on, uh, Dave, you're, you're chuckling away there. So before we move on, <laughs> uh, just very quickly on, on the state of the Pittsburgh Steelers, because um, we're not sure that we're hearing more injuries going on with them uh, very quickly. Do you think they've got a chance to... They're still in the playoff mix. Do you think they can still make it? I, I mean, because they've got Mike Tomlin, they can still make it. Um, unfortunately, they've also got Mitch Trubisky, uh, so that kind of works against them. So polar opposites there. You've got one of the best head coaches, are, I mean, arguably ever. His record kind of uh, says that he is probably one of the best ever. He's, he's definitely within that conversation of being right up there. But um, they've also got Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, who, as we saw, is... Not exactly, how can I put this nicely? He's not exactly an MVP, uh, would be the, the best. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's of, barely uh, playing at yeah. an MVP level at the moment. He's really looked pretty bad. Uh, Jake, I'll throw it over to you. Um, we, we're speaking about backup quarterbacks. In the last game, you had Nick Mullins versus um, Jake Browning. Here you've got Mitchell Trubisky versus Gardner Minshew. All these teams are in playoff contention. Uh, we're looking at some of the backup quarterbacks in the league. And if you had to pick one, out of those four, who are you taking? Are you going for the sort of the sexy choice right now, which is Jake Browning? I mean, you kind of have to. Jake Browning found 11 different receivers for the Bengals this week. You know, he's really kind of spreading the ball out everywhere. And Nick Mullins is solid, but he had an all-time interception. I don't know if you saw it, where he Ooh. was on the ground and passed it to a defensive lineman mm-hmm. who was on the ground. So that goes against him. Uh, the Steelers are actually going with Rudolph this week, Mason Rudolph. Um, so they, they've they've given up on the the MVP uh, experiment, and then Minshew. I mean, he's probably the most consistent. Mm-hmm. I mean, and just you know you know what you're getting with him. He had three touchdown passes, but for the Colts, they just killed the Steelers on the ground. They mm-hmm. 34 mm-hmm. for 170 with Moss and Taylor both injured. Uh, at one point, they ran 14 straight. In fact, 20 of their last 21 plays, I believe, were runs. Oh, they were just having their way with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, and it's also thirty. Well, thirty points. Uh, they were thirteen nil up the Steelers, and then yeah. the Colts. After the, I think, well, maybe less than a minute into the second quarter, uh, it it was just the Colts from then. The Colts suddenly woke up, and uh, from thirteen nil down, they won thirty points to thirteen. Just ridiculous. Yeah, thirty unanswered points there for the Colts. Uh, speaking of unanswered points, we're going to move to Ford Field. <laughs> The Detroit Lions were hosting the Denver Broncos in front of 64,500 fans. And this game, gentlemen, wasn't even close. It was an absolute mm. blowout, 42-17 to 17 to the Lions. It was one of those games where um, it, was, it was bizarre to watch because the Broncos started the game really well um, with a... A great pass in the middle. Jerry Judy broke a couple of tackles, took a big 30, 40 yard gain, and then immediately Russ fumbles and the Lions yeah. pick it up and go. But the thing that got me in this game was a play of Jared Goff. Oh my word. After three horrendous games, of course he's going to come good against the Broncos. 34 of, uh, sorry, 24 of 34 for 278 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. Um, and the Broncos were leaving the Lions receivers wide open in the middle. I mean, wide open in the middle. There was there was times when Amon Rasim Brown was just, you know standing on the five yard line with no one within three yards of him. And Goff had all day to throw the ball. 
uh, this this was an absolute obliteration. Uh, it was horrible to watch. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Ewan has already rubbed it in my face <laughs> uh, about just how awful the Broncos' defense looked. This is the worst. I, obviously, the Miami game is the worst. But since then, this is the worst this defense has looked. They were leaving guys wide open. And for some reason... They weren't blitzing Jared Goff anywhere near as much as they should have been. I, I didn't get it, but there you go. The, the Lions just come away with a huge win against the Broncos. Cortland Sutton made a ridiculous one-handed catch on the sidelines again, as he seems to do every week. Okay. That was pretty much the only highlight for the Broncos. So we're going to move on, guys, and we come to the uh, Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. And... It wasn't a particularly great game from an offensive point of view. Um, the in Bank of, uh, Bank of America Stadium in front of seventy thousand three hundred one fans, the Panthers come away with a nine seven victory to move up to two and twelve. Uh, the Falcons fall to six and eight. That really hurts their chances of sneaking a playoff spot because they're still in with a chance of sneaking a playoff spot but that loss to Carolina really hurts their chances dropping them to six and eight um looking at some of the box score here Desmond Ritter 12 of 20 152 yards one touchdown one pick uh on the ground Tyler Algier 14 carries 45 yards that was the most production they got on the ground um Bijan Robinson only carried seven times for 11 yards and lost a fumble um, not the best day for him on the other side Bryce Young 1824 167 yards no touchdowns no picks but he didn't really do anything wrong he did fumble once but it was recovered by his own team so that was absolutely fine but defensively I have to I just absolutely have to give a shout out to Calais Campbell because he was everywhere yeah. looking at the the box score again it doesn't see look like he did four tackles two assists two tackles for loss one quarterback hit but every single play he seemed to just be right in the mix always there always pressuring um he's a great player jake i'll throw it over to you very quickly because it wasn't nfc south uh team there with you uh, sorry NFC South battle between the Panthers and the Falcons. Um, did you watch any of this game? It, it wasn't particularly good viewing from a neutral point of view, was it? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Game of the week. Uh, I watched it on repeat. <laughs> you look at the weather. I mean, it was al- a, a almost deluge. perfect conditions. You think it was almost perfect conditions for the Falcons on their three-headed Russian, like Russian attempt. But no, instead, they they... Sweet Caroline ends up playing out in bad weather to to all six Panther fans. It was it was bizarre, and the the interception by Ritter at the end. I mean, I don't know why they're trusting Ritter in those situations anyway, mm. that close to the goal line with that running attack. But they left seven minutes thirty five on the game clock. They obviously assume they'll even if the Panthers somehow miraculously score, they'll have time to to answer. Well, the Panthers had a seventeen play ninety yard drive that took up seven minutes thirty five. And Eddie Pinheiro with the game-winning field goal. So, I can say, all six fans at that game were delighted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sure they were. (laughs) So, we're going to move on. You could get get tickets for 45 cents. That's not a joke. You could get tickets for 45 cents. That's that's pretty poor. That's really poor. Um, We're going to move on, though. And we come to... The Cleveland Browns Stadium 
front of 67,919 fans. Now, gentlemen, I said to you while these games were going on, we just need the Browns to lose. If the Browns lose, I've been saying it for three weeks, if the Browns lose, the Broncos will leapfrog them because they have the same record. We lost to Detroit, obviously. All we needed was for the Browns to lose to Chicago to keep us within touching distance of that. But Joe Flacco is playing like 20... 12 postseason Joe Flacco. I've got no idea what's happening in Cleveland. Uh, he went 28 to 44 for 374 yards, two touchdowns. He did throw three interceptions in this game, but it didn't matter because the Browns won 20 to 17 uh, over the Chicago Bears to move them up to 9 and 5. It drops the Bears down to 5 and 9. And I don't know what you want to say about him. Justin Fields went 19 of 40 in this game. That's less than mm-hmm. 50% completion, 166 yards, one touchdown, two picks. He also fumbled twice, although he didn't lose any of them. Uh, I was convinced, though, the Bears were going to win this game. I, utterly convinced, and they just couldn't do it. They led for the entirety of this game until 32 seconds to go when Justin Hopkins kicked the field goal for the Browns to win. Um, Dave, I'll throw it over to you very quickly. The, the Cleveland Browns, Joe Flacco, three weeks running, they've won with Flacco at quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they look like they're headed for the playoffs. What, Flacco in the playoffs? This defense? It's ridiculous. How far can yeah. How far can this team go? Well, I did say about the the Cleveland Browns defense how elite they are, uh, and they're proving it. Um, I I I think take this game with a pinch of salt because it was the Bears who threw this, not the Browns winning it. Uh, Justin Fields was just, I mean, his play was extremely questionable, and you know we we bigged him up the last couple of weeks. Um, but his play has been really good the last couple of weeks. However, this was one of his worst games ever. Uh, I would go as far to say because I mean you you, you they were seventeen seven up uh, at at one point and um, they were going for it on fourth and one um, before Fields just didn't get it and it, it goes down as a sack as well so you know it, it's it, that's just a ridiculous thing to do and to uh, for I mean you're you're kind of ten points up you're going for it on fourth and one. Um, you're in Cleveland territory as well. I think they were about the Cleveland 30, 35 yard line. They're within field goal range, but they're going. You know, they're going for it. It's aggressive, but at the same time, oh my word! You, you're you're throwing. You're th- you're potentially giving Cleveland really good uh, field position against one of the best defenses in the entire league. What's the point in that? So, yeah, take take this game with a pinch of salt. Cleveland are right in it, uh, and I, I I'm. Picking them for the playoffs, I think they're going to get there. But uh, yeah, t- like I said, they'll take this game with a pinch of salt because the Chicago threw it. Browns kind of win it by default because the Bears just didn't want to win it. I think they're just they're tanking for a second decent pick. I think. So we are going to move on, gentlemen, and we come to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Green Bay Packers uh, and Lambeau Field in front of 77,275 fans who watched the Buccaneers romp to a 34-20 win over the Packers. Uh, they move up to 7-7. Seven and seven. The Packers are down to 6-8. and eight. And some of the box code here, Bacon Mayfield, 22-28 of 28 for 381 yards. Four touchdowns, a perfect 158.3 passer rating. Uh, he did fumble once, but 
but you know, it's by the by, when you've got a perfect passer rating, Jordan Love on the other side, 29 to 39, 284 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He had a rating of 111.5, and he returned the favor by fumbling himself. Um, this was all about Baker Mayfield looking absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic in this game. He just looked incredible. One of his best games that I've seen him play uh, in a long time. Uh, Jake, I'll throw it over to you. I know you. Uh, it's NFC South team, the Buccaneers. Uh, I can't throw it over to Ewan for the, for the backers because he's not on the podcast. So I'll put it over to you. The Buccaneers. I mean, you said that they're the best team in your division. They're seven and seven. You look at their uh, at where they are in the in the actual standings, and they look like they're headed to the playoffs as well. Do you think your Saints can stop them, or do you think you were right all those weeks ago when you said the Buccaneers are the best team in the NFC South? Mayfield looks incredible. Well, obviously I was right. I'm always right. Uh, the the Bucks are the best team in the in the NFC South. They, they've had a bit of a hump, but they've won three straight now. And they're firmly in control with the with the Falcons losing. It's firmly in their control, and the NFC South kind of has a a civil war at the end of the year. So it, anything could happen still, but uh, my money would be on the books. Like I say, Baker, perfect passer rating. You can't ask for much more from the guy. Um, from the Packers side, they've now lost two in a row. They were one of the teams that were getting really hot, maybe a little too early. So they've lost two in a row. Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator, firmly in the firing line. Uh, but Jordan Love, again, played well. His young and, and very raw uh, receivers and him seem to be improving week on week. So there is positives for the Packers. Um, this defense, Joe Barry, their def- uh, defensive coordinator, really kind of letting down Jordan Love doing miracles with guys that we never expected to to do anything this year, really. Yeah, Love did play well, um, but it, it just wasn't enough. And as I say, what can you do when the opposing quarterback's got perfect passer rating? It's it's hard to win when that happens. Uh, well, we're going to move on, gentlemen. We come to the AFC South, where the Houston Texans were taking on the Tennessee Titans at Nissan Stadium in front of 66,219 fans. And the Texans come away with a 19-16 victory, moving them up to 8-6, Titans fall to 5-9. and nine. Looking at some of the box scores here, uh, Case Keenum, who started for Houston, 23 of 36, 229 yards, one touchdown, one pick. About as sort of pedestrian as you can get, right across the board. Not mm-hmm. spectacular, not horrendous. Um, Devin Singletary, 26 for 121 yards on the ground. On the other side, Will Levis, 17 and 26 for 199 yards, uh, one interception, our rating is 72.4. And Derek Henry, 16 carries, nine yards. It honestly seemed like every time he got the ball, he was getting hit in the backfield. That's what it felt like. Um, on some carries, you, you, like when he got did get positive yards, he was still being hit in the backfield before gaining two or three yards. It was it was a rough rough one for uh, for him in this game and the Texans as I say eight and six Jake I'll, I'll throw back to you again two games in a row here the Houston Texans um I know they're your second team I didn't have any faith in them with Case Keenum a quarterback but they pull out another win and you can argue it's against the Titans but the reality is they won the game and they're in the in the playoff race so what do you think if uh Stroud is out for any length of time here um, 
what? How far do you think the Texans can go? Uh, I think they, they they could go quite far. I mean, this defense under D'Amico Ryan's is, is improving all the time. They had seven sacks um, in this game. Uh, shout out Jonathan Greenard, who had two and a half by himself. Uh, you mentioned Derrick Henry. He had 16 carries for nine rush yards, four receptions for one receiving yard, least amount of scrimmage yards by a player with 20 touches in NFL history. You're talking about King Henry here, not some random guy who got 20 touches for the first time. Derrick Henry said NFL history is not a uncommon phrase, but when it's talking about the least amount of scrimmage yards, yeah, that, that's that's pretty good going for the defense. Um, Kaimi Fairburn four or four, and it was just bit a bit a bit sweet with the Houston Oilers throwbacks and Tennessee having to go back. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, that's just egg on the face. That's an ultimate ultimate egg on the face. It 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 was it was pretty horrible with the throwbacks there because I thought that's just wrong. Why would you? Why would you? Weird. We spoke about this before and said, imagine if they'd worn those whilst they were playing Houston. And they did. Mm-hmm. And so I think because of that, that work out for you? they deserve to lose. Uh, Dave, what were you going to say there? Uh, well, I was... Uh, two things. One, uh, Will Levis got sacked seven times within this game. Uh, so I'm not sure what chance he kind of had to really make a huge mark on the game when he's seeing, uh, seeing the sky rather than, you know, downfield, uh, which is not great for him. Uh, the other thing, though, I was... Uh, Obviously, we have we have random stats every week, and we have uh, we, we had a couple uh, last week. But one that I wa- I did come across and uh, was perhaps going to say was that Derrick Henry uh, made up until this game three straight games with at least two rushing touchdowns, and he was only the sixth player to do that since two thousand nine. Um, and if he was going to do it in this game, he would have been the first player since LT back in two thousand six to make that. However, I think Houston were very determined in this to uh, not ma- to make sure that that was not going to be the case. It's it, it's the perfect game plan. Historically. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. On you go, Jake. I was going to say, historically, Derek Henry has very good days against the Texans as well. So I think Dave's right. I think it was very much uh, anyone but Derek Henry beats us today. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the perfect game plan against this team because we know Derek Henry is the entire offense. We And everyone mm. knows this. And nobody knows it better than Houston. So they were like, well, we're just going to stack it in the box. Uh, if it's a run play, we're going to get him in the backfield. If it's a pass play, we're going to hit the quarterback. As you said, seven sacks. And it worked absolutely flawlessly uh, in this game. And they come away with the win. But we are going to move on, gentlemen. And we come to Gillette Stadium, where the New England Patriots welcomed Kansas City Chiefs in front of 64,628 fans. And the Chiefs come away with a 27-17 victory. Chiefs are up to 9-5. and five. Patriots fall to three and eleven. Um, it's not really a surprise that the Chiefs won this game, but the big story of this game has got to be the fact that Kadarius Tony had a ball in his hands and it was intercepted. Um, yep. It almost seems like a, I'm not going to say weekly, but like every other game, that something happens with Kadarius Tony. That just is hurting the Chiefs. They, they won this game by 10 points. Ultimately, that interception didn't matter. But this has been going on and on and on. We keep bringing this young man's name up. Um, they keep giving him chances. And I, and I like the fact that they are. 
They've not just pulled him. They've not just, you know, yanked him no. off. The, I think they're saying, right, you had a bad game. Doesn't matter. We're going to keep going to you, keep going to you, keep going to you until you've had a good game. But I think I think it was actually Rich Eisen had said on, on his show that even if Kadarius Tony has 200-yard games from now until the Super Bowl, if he drops a pass in the Super Bowl that costs the Chiefs the game, <laughs> that's all that's going to matter. And, I mean, I don't know what's going on with this guy. It's it, it really just seems like he just can't catch a ball. And it's bizarre because we know he can. We've seen him do it. But this year, it's, as I say, it seems like every other game, it's not so much that. It's like the mistakes are so costly. This one didn't matter. But we saw, you know, in week one against the Lions, we saw uh, the other week against the Bills, these mistakes that this guy's making are absolutely crippling this team. But I still have faith in the Chiefs, and I still think that they're going to end up hosting an AFC Championship game and probably go to the Super Bowl, because that's just what they do. Uh, so, gentlemen, what we'll do is we will move on to the next scheme, and it's one of the other big hitters in the AFC. It's the New York Jets. That's not who I meant. The New York Jets versus <laughs> the Miami Dolphins uh, at Hard Rock Stadium, in front of 65,967 fans, and the Dolphins absolutely blew the doors off the Jets without Tidy kill. They managed 30 points, 30 to nothing. The Jets could get absolutely nothing done. Poor Trevor Simeon in this game 14 26 for 110 yards, two picks, two sacks. Zach Wilson was playing as well, four of 11, 26 yards. Um, if he got sacked four times, two up, 21 or 24, three incompletions. 224 yards, one touchdown. Mike White came in, for goodness sakes. He was he was perfect. Two out of two for four yards. Uh, and the, the narrative... Narrative? Narrative. Narrative. What? Narrative. Is, is still there. Who have you beaten? Because it's the Jets. The Jets have been terrible. And the Dolphins just absolutely creamed that Bradley Chubb was incredible in this game. Absolutely sensational. Um... Dave, did you did you see any of this game? The, the Jets had no chance, but um, Tyreek's going to have to really work to get to his two thousand yards this season if that's what he wants, isn't he? Yeah, I, I mean, um, you know, Tyreek's. I mean, all year he's had some sort of injury issue. You know, I I don't know if it's just his style or just that he's so fast. To, you know, his body's moving far too more quickly than it should. Um, but Jalen Waddle uh, took over. Like, like there was no uh, t- kind of Tyreek. I think what I I pointed out a couple of weeks ago that what the without Tyreek Hill, the Dolphins were still trying to do the same movements. Like uh, I think they had Braxton Berrios um, in the uh, in that kind of role, and it wasn't working at all. I think they adapted a lot better. Uh, but what they were able to do on defense was just silly uh, because Zach Wilson was benched. I mean, it was what was it, four of eleven? Did you say uh, or four or something silly like that for like twenty six yards before he was benched? Um, and then on the ground, they got absolutely zero uh, done. So, yeah, it, it was silly. But I see what you're saying about um, the, uh, the the Dolphins. They haven't beaten anyone. Uh, but, you know, that narrative is, is still ongoing. They haven't beaten some anyone with a winning record yet. So that it's still something to watch out for. And the four losses were, you know, against teams that they should have been, they, they, they could have beaten. So yeah, maybe one or two games that they, they just didn't stand a chance. But... Yeah, look, the the uh, there seemed to be a bit of bluff on the Jets side with Aaron Rodgers. 
Uh, that that situation is just a drama. I I mean, there's so much hype about it. Uh, you know, the hard a drama involving Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know, and now it seems to be us that was in the dark about the actual truth of the situation. So, uh, yeah, that that's just a, it's an ongoing saga and drama. But the, look, the Jets on the ground, uh, Brees Hall six carries for twelve yards, just just non-existent, and Dalvin Cook one carry for four yards, and also one reception for six yards. So he touched the ball twice in the game. Dalvin Cook, um, they're, they're kind of ruining uh, Dalvin Cook. Probably mentally and physically, um, they're ruining <laughs> Brees Hall. The, this offensive line is yeah. horrendous. Uh, uh, Jake, I'll throw it over to you here. Now that we've already mentioned the narrative that Miami, you know, who have they beaten this week coming? That narrative is going to be answered because the other team that we've been seeing the same thing about is the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. <laughs> and the the thing with Dallas is slightly different because they they ha- they beat uh, Philadelphia. Um, but it was at Jerry World. And it was like, well, they're not beating... Everybody's beating Philadelphia now. What, sorry, what was that? Everybody's beating Philadelphia well, now. And like now everyone's beating Philadelphia. Oh. So the narrative is there. So we're, we're now going to answer. We're going to find out, like the Dolphins and the Cowboys, if this ends in a tie, I will pull what little here <laughs> I have left out. Uh, Jake, I'll throw it over to you. I mean... Fangio's defense was monstrous in this game. Dave, Dave's talking about how Zach Wilson had no chance. I mean, they really didn't. The, the, he was drawing up some schemes here that was just crippling the Jets. It was almost unfair at times. Oh, yeah. Zach Wilson wasn't benched. He was killed. He, he, they didn't have chance to bench him. He's, he's still in concussion protocol. Uh, he, he wasn't benched. He was he was <laughs> mercilessly pulled um, in the blue tent, and they just looked at him and said, mate, we, we're sorry. This offensive line, as we mentioned, is, is shocking. Uh, they had four yards in the first half. That's the fewest allowed since the 13th of December 2015, when your Broncos held the Raiders to minus 12 yards. 2015, no fly zone. No fly zone. Miami showed mercy. They, they could have embarrassed the Jets. They could have scored more. They, I think rightly, especially with you know injuries piling up, rightly kind of put their foot off the gra- uh, gas a little bit. And this is the real match uh this week in terms of the pretender match you know dolphins cowboys go prove that you are that team one of the team is going to obviously barring the the, the hair pulling tie one of the teams <laughs> is going to have a massive question mark over it and the other team will start feeling a bit better about their chances so definitely uh, a game i'll be keeping an eye on going forward um i don't know if you if you saw the sound bite with uh, mike mcdaniel when the the press were talking about it did did either of you see that? I saw that one where he was manifesting a one uh, one play drive. He's like, I'm feeling a one play drive. We're gonna have one play drive. Uh, Jalen Waddle one play drive, and then sure enough, throws a bomb to Jalen Waddle one play drive. And he's like, <laughs> he has a little chuckle to himself, like, yeah, I had a feeling. He uh, he he was asked about the you know they've not beaten any teams with winning records, and he said, uh, well, I, I've spoken to all my players, and uh, with regards to when they speak to the press, have asked about it. And he said something along the lines of, to say to, to the press, uh, with all due respect, and you know when someone says, with all due respect, they're going to say something that has got no respect in it whatsoever. <laughs> and he said, to say to the players, to say to the press, with all due respect, go F yourselves. Uh, because, you know, he's, he, he's tired of hearing, they've got to be tired of it. Gotta be tired of hearing. Well, you've not beaten anyone. I said, well, we've beaten teams that we've we've played. We lost one to Buffalo. We lost one to Kansas City. 
Uh, I mean, they lost to the Jets, didn't they, in the first game? Uh, it, it's it's just it's just been ridiculous. They need to show, though, they do have to show that they can beat a good team. Dallas had a good team, but Dallas need to show that they can beat a good team, not at Jerry World. They have to show they can win on the road. Uh, Dave, what did you want to add to this? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously... Uh, massive victory for the Dolphins here. Thir- you know, thir- thirty points up. Uh, the pro- there is there. This game has come with a downside, though. Is that th- their injury? Uh, like we were saying about Tyreek Hill, their injuries are mounting up. And I did see today that none of the Dolphins' starting offensive linemen were in practice. Uh, mostly none of the, them. We none of them. Were practice where they are all did not practice today, no. so there's quite a uh, they're starting one, so they there's quite a you know a potential there that the weak niggling injuries, uh, I, I obviously up against a Jets defense, you're going you're going to have some bruises and things like that, but when none of them practice today, that's very uh concerning. But I think the only good news coming out of Miami is that Indomakung Su was there on a visit today, so that that's a uh, situation to watch out. Is he going to play right tackle for them? Yeah, <laughs> it's like they don't have any problems on the defensive side of the ball. It's it's offensive linemen they need. That yeah, the, the, the last thing Vic Fangio needs is Indominus Sue. Right, that's the last thing. Yes, he needs. trust me. Uh, okay, guys, we're going to move on and we come to Caesar Superdome in front of seventy thousand and thirty-eight fans, where the New Orleans Saints welcomed in the New York. New Jersey Giants and uh, the Saints come away with that 24 to 6 win rather emphatic when they move up to 7 and 7 the Giants fall to 5 and 9 Jake McGee this was your team what did you make of the game yeah it's probably the most complete game for the Saints in all aspects of the game uh, big shout out to Passignor had three three sacks uh, Jimmy Graham again in the red zone uh, the Saints the last two weeks 52 and 12 yes we're playing very poor teams but I suppose you can only beat who's in front of you. The, the Giants didn't even make the red zone. They didn't even sniff the red zone. Um, and Demario Davis has to be one of the most consistent players, just maybe of all time. The, the man, no matter what jersey he plays in or how long he plays, he just makes plays. And he's lost a, maybe a step or two, but his his intuition for for the plays is, is fantastic. He really marshals that defense. Uh, the only issues I have is Dennis Allen taking a victory lap uh, at seven and seven with the <laughs> schedule in this division, really, and all the people coming out. Where's the Derek Carr haters now? Ah, it's like he played against one of the worst defenses and he had like a good game. And, you know that's what he's employed to do. That's that's his job, as Roy Keane would say. Um, there's a really weird feeling and aura around the Saints at the moment. They're kind of turning players against the fans which is hilarious because I, I mocked the Panthers for having 45 cent tickets well Saints tickets were going for, for cheap as well because nobody everyone's sick of this team um, the fans are sick of it and like I say Dennis Allen then taking this moment to take a victory lap as if he's doing something I think he's like 22 and 47 or something all time um, like uh, he's a bizarre, bizarre man, and I can't wait for him to, to leave. And it's a really weird feeling, like I say, I think I've expressed over the last few weeks, wanting your team to win, because we have a chance of being in the playoffs, we have a chance to, to even win the division. But at the same time, wanting your team to lose, because you want everyone fired. So I think we're at that point at the season where, no matter what now, we're, we're stuck. We have a real chance of winning the division, um, like I say. 
most of the NFC South in the last two weeks. Uh, two weeks play each other, so it will all iron out in the next couple of weeks. But this was a positive game, and like I say, most complete game from from all, all facets of of the game. Yeah, uh, Dave, I'll throw it over to you very quickly because uh, Tommy DeVito got absolutely pummeled in this game. Um, Just pummeled. Yeah. He was twenty thirty four for one seven 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 sacks, and each one looked more vicious than the one before it. Tyrod Taylor ended up coming in. Uh, he he went two of four for thirteen yards, but. There was nothing he could do. They got nothing on the ground in this game. Saquon Barkley, nine rushes for 14 yards. Um, and the Saints were just a better team on the day. Uh, I'll put it to you, Dave, you know, because I've already got Jake's view on the Saints. <laughs> He's like the Buccaneers um, are, are going to gonna win the division, best team in the division. But the, the Saints, if Derek Carr can play at the, the upper half because we know he's not an elite quarterback no offense to Derek Carr but he's not he's not in the top echelon of quarterbacks but his ceiling is pretty good if he continues to play pretty good the Saints can get in there and in the red zone Jimmy Graham he got another touchdown you know the guy might be mm-hmm. 70 years old but he can still catch touchdowns <laughs> in the red zone um the Saints can still do something in the playoffs, can they? Jake's like shaking now. He's like, oh my goodness, no, they can't. Uh, but what do you think, Dave? Could they be a surprise wild card? Playoffs? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, do you know what? I want to insert Jim Mora. It doesn't matter that he was talking for the Colts. <laughs> doesn't matter that I was with the Colts because Jim Mora, in my eyes, is still a Saints head coach. And we're going to input the soundbite now. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Dave, playoffs? I don't know how I'm supposed to uh, top that. But um, yeah, can they? Yes, uh, they can. Uh, They've got a few things that they need to um, address, obviously. But uh, I think in, in this game, I mean, it's just proof that in New York, they don't know what an offensive line is. So uh, it's just neither neither team has an offensive line. Tommy DeVito is going to be crippled by the time he's 30. Uh, he's, he's going to be very wheelchair-bound at this rate. Uh, and then, obviously, when they try to take out the quarterback's hand, Saquon Barkley, he had nothing to work with whatsoever. We know how elite he is. He is elite. Uh, you know, talk of Derek Carr not being an elite quarterback. Saquon Barkley is one of the best running backs in the entire league, and you give him nothing to work with it's just it's that's not okay it's always good to see tyrod taylor um coming in but uh yeah apart, apart from i think maybe two big plays by the giants um i think it was one completely dire slate and one to darren waller that's that's all they were able to muster on the entire offense but uh where do the saints go from here uh hopefully back to the l zone uh this week a spoiler alert of what's coming up uh in the nfl this week wow. hopefully they get a little lost and wow. uh we do jake a favor and uh it's going to be the end of the road and a new head coach comes in right so just one thing before we move on i want you mentioned sequel barkley there now at mm. no point was this game out of reach for the giants score wise it's not like they were down by 35 points it was never that far out when you're seven six at half time, when your offense essentially runs around Saquon Barkley, and I know Tommy DeVito's been really good the past couple of weeks, I get that. But the offense runs around Saquon Barkley, and you give him nine carries, mm-hmm. nine carries. 
that's absolutely appalling. And you deserve to lose. When you give your best player nine touches of the ball, that's absolutely horrendous. Uh, And they should be ashamed of that. Because, I mean, you talk about uh, the Jets ruining Dalvin Cook and uh, Brees Hall's career. The Giants do the same thing with Saquon Barkley. The man has the talent. You give him nine carries. You couldn't even even get him to double digits. That's shocking. He should be on minimum, and I mean rock bottom minimum of 20 a game. Because you never know when he's going to break a big one. Yeah. I think, did I not say it maybe halfway through the season about the Rams when we run a certain amount of plays? I brought it back to the Rams. We have a, what do you think of that? Uh, no, no, but it's it still applies. Same the, same, the same thing applies. <laughs> point applies because if you run it a certain amount of times, you have any kind of success with that amount, then you are going to be, give yourself a massive chance. Whereas they, they've Saquon Barkley nine carries. But then they put it in the hand of their quarterback, what, like 40 times? Uh, if you include sacks, I think it would be 41 times. And it's a rookie, It's he's a rookie quarterback that's, let's be honest, he's not held in, in the highest caliber. He's got some very questionable uh, skill sets, uh, maybe is probably the best thing to describe it. But um, yeah, it's and obviously, if you've got Saquon Barkley... You design schemes around Saquon Barkley. You don't design. You don't design like general plays that you hope can work for like a running unit. You design it around your star running back because to optimize success. It's just ridiculously bad coaching and ridiculously bad decision making. It is. They've got the well, uh, the, the best, uh, best dressed agent going at the moment. Oh, I mean, he <laughs> does. He looks so good. On this. He looks fantastic. I need to get me a suit like that. That's absolutely no. You don't. On. I totally do. Hey, pinstripes will never go out of fashion. I'm telling yeah, you that right true. now. Pinstripe will never that, go out of fashion. Not for you. Not for you. For That's anyone. Insane. No. It's coming from fashion guru Dave Somerville over here. Gentlemen, we're going to move on and we come to the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. I'm talking about games never being in doubt. This one was never in doubt. Uh, Regardless of the fact Arizona took a 7-0 lead, it didn't matter. 49ers come away with a 45-29 victory in front of 63,967 fans at State Farm Stadium. I've run out of things to say. Brock Purdy, 16-25, 242 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Sam Darnold came in again, you know, 2-3 for 20 yards. Christian McCaffrey had an incredible game. 18 attempts for 115 yards and a touchdown. Five catches, 72 yards, two touchdowns. Debo Samuel uh, had 448 and two touchdowns. The, the Cardinals just had no answer for it at all. They also had a pick six uh, by Tredavious Ward. Kyler Murray on the other side, 26, 39, 211 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Um, now, I'm going to see something. And... It's, you can you can call it controversial if you like. You can do that. But I'm going to say something about this 49ers team. Because they are wiping the floor with other teams. They, they basically stopped... Play- again, again, they stopped playing in the fourth quarter. I, they're still thrashing teams. The 1989 49ers, in my opinion, are the greatest team of all time. And in fact, in the opinion of an awful lot of players... Uh, 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 fans and, and pundits and players are the greatest team of all time. This 
San Francisco 49ers team that we're watching right now might be one of the best teams of all time. And I know that Dave's pulling a face and I know people are still, and I don't know why, people are still doubting Brock Purdy as a quarterback. It's stupid. It's beyond belief that anyone doubts this man as a quarterback. The three games that 49ers lost, that three games good, Brock Purdy gets injured, Brock Purdy is injured, Brock Purdy is injured. There you go. That's the three games that they lost. This 49ers team is killing other teams. And I'm going to say right now, if they win the Super Bowl this year, which I think think they will. I think the 49ers are going to go to the Super Bowl and win it. That's what I think. If they win the Super Bowl this year, and because of Brock Purdy's lovely contract, they can afford to pay an absolute ton of other people next year, they might win it again. They might be back-to-back champions. They've got the talent. We know this. This team could go down in history as one of the best teams of all time. And I do not say that lightly. Jake, I want your opinion on my opinion. Do you think I'm absolutely insane? Or do you think, hey, maybe this guy's actually got a point? What do you think? I think recency bias plays a a huge amount. I I think they're one of the best teams in the NFL currently. And the Arizona Cardinals coach needs to be brought into question because CMC and Debo both had touchdowns completely left alone. I don't know how you don't equate for them. That is uh, true. Maybe we should cover CMC and Debo, Samuel. Was it his second touchdown catch? Well, he literally, no more than 10 yards, if he catches the ball, he falls over, has time to roll over, get up, and then walk in for a touchdown. You're right. But, But carry on, Jake. Sorry. Yeah, well, Debo, when he got his touch on, literally looked around and be like, really? Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> you know, you're, okay, I'll, I'll take it, I guess. But I think this 49er team are definitely the favourites for the Super Bowl, I would say, especially with the Eagles kind of, um, I was going to say something inappropriate, uh, not doing well in the bed um, <laughs> currently. <laughs> uh, um, and if the Cowboys don't get the number one seed, so they don't have to go to Jerry's World, I don't know how you stop the, the 49ers. I don't know if I'd go as far as saying one of the best of all time. And I think we've spoken before about the sh- even with Brock Purdy's contract, the sheer amount of people they have up for renewal and the amount of people they need to pay. That uh, I'm not sure they, they will go back to back if they even win this year. But I mean, why not? See, the thing the thing that gets me is that uh, the three games skid aside, which I know they had, they lost three games in a row. I get that. They have been killing teams. It's it's not even close. And they've played the best teams, with the exception of who they play this week. We're going to see that. Mm. But, I mean, you know, everyone's saying, oh, you know, Philadelphia had the best record in the NFL. Play San Francisco, get obliterated. Dallas. Well, the reason people are saying, who have they beaten, is because when they faced San Francisco, they were slaughtered by the 49ers. No other team has done this to Dallas. They've lost games, but not in the fashion that they lost to the San Francisco. And the, that's the difference. I'm watching this team, and it's just, it's just the talent right across the board. And it's well drawn up, and it's well coached. And I'm just looking at this team going, I honestly can't see 
anyone beating this team. And I would not be surprised if they win this week, and we'll get to who they're playing, if they win this week by 30 points. It won't surprise me. It really won't, because I think they're just that efficient. And it's a level of efficiency that is just killing other teams. Other teams are having to go for it on fourth down. Because they're like, if we if we punt the ball back, they're just going to go down and score. So we need to go for it on fourth down. And then if you don't get it, they're going to go down and score. So regardless of what you do, they're going to score. So you might as well go for it on fourth down. But then you give them a short field and go down and score. It's, you know, you can't win because you're up against one of the best defenses in the entire NFL. And one of the best offenses in the entire NFL. It's absolutely criminal what this team is doing. They've got the best rushing attack in the league. They've got the best passing attack in the league. They've got the you know one of the best passing and rush defenses in the league. Dave, I'll throw it to you. I, I didn't want to spend too much time in this about the game itself, but this team is just. I mean, listen, I could be. They might lose by twenty next week, and I, you'll all laugh at me and say, "Wow, what an idiot you are." I really don't think that's going to happen. But Dave, I'll just get your two cents on it. What do you think? I mean, it goes to show what, what um, of all their wins. So what they're what? Uh, what were they? Eleven and three now. Uh, I think they are. Yeah, eleven and three. Um, out of all those eleven victories, only one of them was a one-score game. All of them, uh, and yeah, you know that that was against their closest rivals. But anyway, that was uh, <laughs> that we, we don't want to focus on that game too much. Um, but yeah, that look that there's no getting away from it. Uh, when you've got CMC as running back, uh, you've got the best play disguises, I think, anyway, in the league. Because I, I watched a lot of this game. That Cardinals defense had no chance. They did. It was. It looked like men versus boys at times. It just it was so ridiculous. Their play disguises are the best in the entire league. Um, so obviously, when they think that it's going to be a, a run, Brock Purdy drops back, and when they think it's going to be a pass, in comes CMC. It, it's it's just not fair. And then look on defense. You've got uh, you've got Bosa, you've got Warner, you've got Greenlaw, and then of course, just to add to it, they bring in Chase Young. What a ridiculous thing to do! That should that should not be. That should have been like kind of vetoed by the NFL. <laughs> it's, just, it's not fair. It's, it's it's just not okay. You know, for 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 months, like other teams, I I, will, I won't name one particular team, obviously, but we were calling for a good edge rusher, calling repeatedly for a good edge rusher, and then who goes and gets an edge rusher? The team that don't need an edge rusher, but they go and get one anyway, just just to kind of flex, I think, at this point. But uh, yeah, look, uh, I I I struggle to see how they're not going to win out the rest of the year. Um, it, it's you know they might they might have some competition in the next game and in their last game, but. Like uh, if if they if they seal up the uh, the for the first pick uh, the first pick they first they, seed, they, yeah, they, they ain't going anywhere near yeah they ain't going anywhere near that first but thank thankfully that's the only <laughs> positive I can take from this but if they seal up that first seed uh, with a week to go then uh, that might be the only way that they don't uh, completely win out but uh, yeah it, it's it's just it's ridiculous at this point uh, obviously Brock Purdy is huge favorite now for the MVP and. That, I mean, personally, I think it should be CMC. 
not a quarterback. As, as did Brock Purdy. He said that himself. It should be CMC. Yeah. He's the one who does everything for this team. So we're going to move on, gentlemen, and we come to the Washington Commanders and the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium in front of 72,035 fans who watched the Rams come away with a 28-20 win. The Rams are up to 7-7. Seven and seven. The Commanders fall to 4-10. and ten. Dave, this was your game. What did you think of it? Yeah, the Rams didn't look like like they needed to really get a second year. They were so fluid on the ball. Uh, they kind of let the commander sneak in in the fourth quarter, which was a little bit worrying. Um, and, you, you know, the, the, like Kyron Williams was just absolutely brilliant. Cooper Cup, uh, again, we're talking about how you don't, um, mark, you know, uh, cover players. Cooper Cup, well, it just, I don't know what, uh, was going on in the commander's defense, but they just left him alone. He went from right down the left hand side for a fantastic, massive touchdown for about sixty yards. Uh, so I don't know what was going on there. Cooper Cup at one hundred eleven yards and a touchdown. Demarcus Robinson with a very good catch for a touchdown. Kevin Williams again, one hundred fifty two yards on the day from uh, uh, in the run game. Um, but yeah, Matthew Stafford. Do you know what? I, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think Matthew Stafford is currently playing as a top top three, top five quarterback at a push. I think Stafford's playing that well right now. Um, he's making really good decisions. And because of the state of the game, Sam Howell was taken out uh, and replaced by Jacoby Brissett at one point. And, you know, they, it seemed to work. So uh, watch this space for Sam Howell, maybe not starting. I think he probably will. But, uh, yeah, Jacoby Brissett, he came on and he looked amazing. He looked at it and look, the, the team was at before. They kind of need a quarterback. And obviously, got Joe Flacco now. But Jacoby Brissett came in, 8 of 10 for 124 yards and two touchdowns with rating. Not quite a Baker rating, but yeah, it was 157.9. So that was semi decent. Um, but yeah, look, there was the Rams' defense was kind of a, looking a bit average, but the offense took care of business. And I think we took our foot off gas later, late into the fourth. Uh, and gave up some a couple silly scores. And at, when it went 28-20, I just thought, don't you dare. Don't, just don't. For the, I, I will not be able to come on the podcast if the commanders come back, tie it, and then beat us in overtime. How ridiculous that could have potentially been. Um, but what do I say about the commanders? What are their strengths? The run game. What do they stop doing? Running the ball. We keep, do we keep, I keep seeing it. Stop running the stop! Stop running the ball! Stop! Stop running the ball! <laughs> stop! Stop running the ball! And you know, and from the Rams' point of view, actually, Mark Ter uh, Scary Terry, because they they weren't doing it on a couple of big plays, and every time he caught the ball, it was a huge gain. So they need to stop doing that. Kevin Williams though uh, got a couple fumbles, and look, it, it's he marched down the field at one point. Just it was run after run, brilliant run after brilliant run, and then just trying to extend it on one, fumbled the ball, and the commanders get it back. We were within the red zone, so it's that's the silly mistakes from from a young uh, running back. Um, but I tell you what, we have found a couple gems though uh, on defense in Ernest Jones, uh, Byron Young, and I, I, I'd, I'd uh, probably include uh, Kobe Turner and um, Bobby Brown in there as well. But Aaron, Aaron Donald was there. There's a video of him going about from that game of him being triple covered, and it's just he was almost getting through them as well, which is just it's just ridiculous. How could a human being do that? Oh god, it was something else. But uh, 
Yeah, look, Ram, Rams are in with a chance now. They're really, really in with a chance of getting to the playoffs. Uh, of course, also just to add, Lucas, Lucas Haversick missed his mandatory field goal uh, attempt, which seems to be a standard for him now to at least miss one. How he's still got a job, I do not know. Rams are 7-7. Seven seven. We've got three games coming up. And um, do you know what? I think I think we might win two of them. And that will get us into the playoffs, I think. So 9-8. and eight. It, It's back to Jeff Fisher. Uh, so uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Jake's asking uh, if the Rams are going to win the last two games. The Rams are currently seventh, currently literally in the seventh seed spot. This mm-hmm. week's game <laughs> means everything, everything it to you boys. A lot. I, yeah. You know, ju- ju- in case, and you know, I, I'm not taking sides in this one. But if the Rams lose this game, the Saints immediately jump up to the seventh spot. I'm just saying. Maybe so you oh, no. there are three yeah. games to go this year, and it's all looking very nice and tasty indeed. Gentlemen, we're going to move on. We come to the uh, Buffalo Bills of the Dallas Cowboys. And what did I say to you in the chat? I said, listen, Broncos have lost. We just need the Browns, the Texans, the Bills and the Bengals to lose. And what happened? They <laughs> all won. <laughs> and I actually it. said, we need the Bills to lose, so bet on, bet on the Bills to win this game against Dallas. And boy, did they ever. A Timark Stadium in front of 70,933 fans who watched their Buffalo Bills absolutely cream the Cowboys 31-10. to 10. Cowboys fall to 10-4. and four. Bills move up to 8-6. and six. And the narrative with the Cowboys once again is who have they beaten outside of Jerry World. Um, in this game, Dak Prescott was 21-34 for 134 yards. That's one pick. 57-7 rating. And you think, that's not a lot of yards, is it? Well, Josh Allen was 7 of 15 for 94 yards and a touchdown in this game. But it didn't matter because the running game was absolutely spectacular. Buffalo rushed 49 times for 266 yards and three touchdowns in this game. They absolutely crush the cowboys um jake i'm going to throw this one over to you very quickly uh just get your opinion or because we've spoken about the cowboys already i'm going to get your opinion on the buffalo bills are they coming good at the right time and making a real rush into the playoffs because the buffalo bills as it stands right now the buffalo bills are ninth in the the, the running but it's a five-way Tie, sorry, a four-way tie. The Bengals are eight and six, six seed. Colts are eight and six, seven seed. Then you've got the Texans and the Bills, both on eight and six. What do you reckon about the Bills' chances of getting into the playoffs? And if so, how far can they go? I mean, three, four weeks ago, we were ready to say good night to the Bills. There, there was no oh, yeah, little to no hope. And then mm-hmm. they've, they found a real vein of form, like say, good time to go in the form. Hopefully they, they can prolong it. You don't want to peak now and then fall at the final hurdle, get your fans' hopes up. Uh, they have been struggling with injuries, especially on the defense. This game, though, had two of my favorite quotes maybe of the season. Um, Josh Allen, like I say, seven completions. Didn't really have to do much. Uh, had a quote after the game saying he felt like the student that does nothing on a group project but still gets an A. And I was like, that's, that's very smart. I quite like that. 
uh, when James Cook went in for his touchdown, uh, the announcer called it oh, as as follows: "The cook has found the kitchen for the second time tonight." I, I just, <laughs> just just enjoyed these little kind of snippets uh, when you're kind of watching the game or, or checking out on it. Um, but yeah, the the Bills. I mean, they just had their way. That rushed 49 times for 5.4 yards average. I mean, that's a a winning formula. And we've mentioned Dallas. I mean, two of the last three on the road. Really, kind of hope they can pull it together away from home. I think for the Bills, twenty-first downs just from rushing. That's the, the second most in team history. I would like to say, for them, they're doing what it takes to win. You, you associate Bills football at the moment with Josh Allen being, you know, a franchise quarterback and, and one of their best weapons on the ground, you know, running or throwing. And they just decided, hey, you get a night off. We, we've got this. We've got another plan. Yeah, I mean, Dave, this Bills often, you know, as Jake said, we associated with Josh Allen, but it was a running game that won them this game. And, and when we think, mm-hmm. ba- if you think back, well, if you can't think back because you were barely alive then, uh, to the early 90s with the Buffalo Bills, right? And it, everyone thinks Jim Kelly and Andre Reid. But the reality is, Thurman Thomas, the running back, well, you know, he was MVP in 1990. He was... Uh, a, all pro running back four years in a row it went through the running game yes it helps to have a good quarterback and it helps to have a good receiver and it's the same it's almost like a repeat to Josh Allen you've got Stefan Diggs you've got great players in the passing game but it's the running game when you can get that going and as you said just help Dave run the ball and if you can be successful at running the ball you're going to win games how much does this running game mean to these Buffalo Bills? Because we've seen Josh Allen, when he's when they sort of put it on his back, yes, he can be incredible. Yes, he can make all the plays, but he can also make mistakes when he's asked to do just a little too much. Dave, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, we, we said it was two years ago, maybe, that uh, the, the only piece missing from the Bills jigsaw was a good running back, and uh, they have that now. So, uh, I mean, they've got no excuses as far as I'm concerned. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the best kind of uh, offenses are started and led by the run game, you know, because it sets up so much more. Uh, like it sets up play action, uh, sets up uh, passing uh, potential. You know, it, it's, it's just, it's, a, it's an essential part of the entire game. And the Bills have unlocked that uh, won ridiculous steroids by the look of it against the Cowboys. Um, but to go back to what you said earlier as well, who have the Cowboys beaten uh, away, away from home? I think it was the Panthers, Giants, and Chargers. So, no one. That, that, that's three of the worst teams this year. Uh, and uh, it, 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 that says everything. As soon as they step away from, from Jerry World, you, you know, they, they're... I mean, they, they have to win their division or they have zero chance, as far as I'm concerned, of getting to the Super Bowl. Because if they don't win their division, then they're away from home, what, two, at least two times before the Super Bowl? So, yeah. If they, if they it, make it that far. Be, yeah. If they make it, yeah. I mean, they've, they've got to. They, they, they've got to actually just... I don't, I don't know what it is, though. Is it coaching? Is it Dak? Because Dak seems amazing. He seems MVP caliber when he's at home. As soon as he steps away from Dallas... He's just he's a bang average quarterback at best. And I, he, he made, I think a lot he made some of it, very questionable decisions. I think a lot of it's got to do with crowd noise. It does. Because it's, it's easy. It's, you know, every 
um, player and ex-player quarterback will tell you when you are playing at home and you can hear everything. You can hear the plays coming in clear as day because it's quiet. And you can talk to your receivers and running backs and offensive linemen because it's quiet. And you're in the huddle and everything's fine. It's a lot easier. When you go to Buffalo or Kansas City or, you know, heck, even if you go to Denver, it's a, the noise. It just really uh-huh. interferes with you. And I think Dak is having a hard time yeah. adjusting to, you know, if he can't hear the play properly. I think yep, I think he's having a hard time audibling. I think that's what it is. And I mean, I'm no expert, but I think, I mean, or that's the only think, thing. Yeah. Because there's no other explanation for why one team is so dominant at home, and yet when they go away from home, they they can't win. It's utterly bizarre. I think he, he just he can't. I don't think he can think clear. I, I think I think he might just be struggling with concentration. Uh, if that is the case, so I, I, it could be it could be a number of things. But uh, they're struggling away from home. Uh, I, I'm I I don't really like the Cowboys that much, so I, I have no kind of love for them whatsoever. I'm sure uh, but Tim yeah, is Bill... devastated to hear that. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Tim. Uh, but yeah, obviously, I, I think um, yeah, the, the Cowboys have a lot of work to do if they're going to make any kind of short to the Super Bowl this year. Bills, yeah, I mean, we, we, you were right, we're ready, we were ready to uh, kind of shut them out, but I get, like, like Gino said, you know, they they kept knocking, but I didn't answer. So I think that's what what's happened with the Bills here. Yeah, so we are going to move on, gentlemen, and we come to the Baltimore Ravens and the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday night at Everbank Stadium in front of 68,021 fans. And oh, my word, the Baltimore Ravens just squashed the Jaguars in this one, 23-7. to Ravens move up to 11-3. Jags fall to 8-6. In the box score, Lamar Jackson, nothing spectacular. 14 out of 24 for 171 yards, one touchdown, one pick. He was also sacked three times, although he did rush for 97 yards. He was the leading rusher on this Baltimore team. On the other side, Trevor Lawrence, 25 of 43 for 264 yards, one touchdown. He was the Jags' leading rusher with four for 41. Travis Etienne only had 31 yards off of 10 carries. Lawrence also fumbled twice, and those turnovers just killed them um jake we'll start with you the jacksonville jaguars are eight and six they're obviously still well within the the, the playoff hunt at eight and six you know they, they, they were the fourth seed but the colts are at, at on the seventh seed because of the head-to-head record essentially the jags have had a couple of really okay. tough games do you think that maybe they're just slipping up at the wrong time here? What do you reckon? Yeah, they do not like the AFC North. They beat the Steelers earlier on in the season, and then the last three weeks, 0-3 against the AFC North. And I'm not sure if you saw Trevor Lawrence's fumbles. Uh, one of them was was as ugly as it gets, completely unforced. He was scrambling out of the pocket, looking great, just dropped the ball. Not, it wasn't tackled, wasn't pressured, just, just dropped the ball. It was... It was not pretty, and, and again, not like Trevor Lawrence, and then Brandon McManus going 0 of 2, not like Brandon McManus. It just Things seem to be going wrong at the, the wrong time, and like I say, not only have they got to worry about the overall playoffs, and that winning their division is going to be an issue as well, if they keep going like this. You know, Colts and Texans breathing down the knot, and then yeah, you don't want to be in the wild card. You want to be 
win a new division. You don't want to be in this kind of five, six, seven-way tie come the end of the season. And then for the Ravens, I mean, I don't know how Isaiah likely caught the ball. I, I just I, it blew my mind that play. Forty-two for two hundred fifty-one on the ground, six yards a carry. I mean, they, you're seeing the, what the good teams do. They run the ball, they run it well. Uh, just a brutal injury for, for Keaton Mitchell, though, who has looked oh, great in the last few yeah, weeks. We've got to see him. Bad. Just a brutal yeah. injury. Yeah, that, that, that was horrendous. It was actually, David said, did you see uh, Mitchell's injury? And I hadn't seen the injury um, because I hadn't watched that game until later on. And then I was like, oh, that looks absolutely horrific. Hopefully... Um, He's okay himself, and he'll be able to come back from this. A uh, bit of a loss for the for the Ravens, though, Dave. What do you reckon? It, it is. Um, I, I mean, also you got. I, I think this game is. It's not going to be remembered for much other than mistakes and injuries, uh, because I'm pretty sure Cal uh, Hamilton Hamilton has come away with an injury from this game as well, and that's that'll be a huge loss for the Ravens on defense, uh, because he to me he has been the standout safety in the entire league this season. Um, so. Yeah, it's that. That's what it's going to be. I mean, it what that wasn't the only bad play from Trevor Lawrence because there was also, um, I think, was it at the end of the half where they were scrambling to snap the ball from the five and they couldn't get it off in time. Um, I, I think that yeah, that that was a going going on to half time. They got they managed to get the ball. It's a huge completion and they just didn't. They they were meant to spike the ball and didn't. So yeah, it, it was it, it's just silly, but. Um, yeah, I I, th- I think uh, Jacksonville. I picked the worst possible time of the year to go on a down on a downswing. Uh, so Baltimore are just looking uh, the D- Dave's word of the podcast very competent. Um, so I I think uh, yeah. I mean I I I I don't really want to talk about the Ravens too much because they've been added to my list of teams. I st- I'm starting to despise after what happened very recently. <laughs> Um, but the Jaguars are just... <laughs> How big are, must that a, list be? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, <laughs> it's oh, low blow. It's ever-growing. It's, oh, I, I mean, I don't know about that, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll ask me next week about if that list is really expanded. Um, well, we'll, but, we'll wait and see on um, that one. Um, <laughs> we're yeah, going to move yeah, on, we're, we're, yeah, I do want to oh. give one, one little shout-out, though. Yeah. One little shout-out to Patrick Jackson, uh, who said on the Long Snapper podcast... Uh, that he doesn't like the Rams. So you know what? The Jaguars have made the list. I, I'm, I'm, <sighs> building, I'm building a Chris Jericho list here. But, <laughs> but, I mean, the, what? The Jaguars... The, what? <laughs> I mean, the yeah, Jaguars are like the least... Like the Rams. The, they're, they're the least offensive team in the entire NFL. They're, like, they don't upset anyone, but except for you, Dave. Yeah, but, What's that all about? Yeah, yeah, but they're pro- they're probably the, it's it's not about the Jags. It's about Patrick because Patrick doesn't oh, like wow. the Rams. So I so saw it's so, just so, personal vendetta. Oh, that's I, shocking. I, look, call it what you want. If you want to call a spade a spade, you call it a spade. But the, so the fact of the matter is that the Jaguars are one of the most irrelevant teams in the entire league, and they've just become it's just come to my mind in the last oh, bit of week. But uh, yeah, just one yeah, of the most irrelevant to- teams that have spearheaded the international series, <laughs> which has expanded and gone to Brazil. Yeah, irrelevant, irrelevant I, teams. Uh, Dave, Dave yeah, you're right, you you're really taking this far too personally. Okay. We do not stand with Dave Somerville. No, no, I I would like, right. The opinions of Dave Somerville in no way, shape or form reflect the opinions of the WinFL show. Just like to point that out. 
Uh, my Big goodness. up the silent majority. Big up the silent majority. We, a silent we minority. What? what? <laughs> good grief. Well, what is You're not good at maths. <laughs> and it's not silent minority. either. It's not a majority and it's not silent. A very I, vocal minority that we've got going on here. I, I, ha- I have to speak up for the for the right things, which is that the Jags are terrible and irrelevant. That's, so there you you're go. You're so brave, Dave. You're so brave. I know. Yeah. Just wait till we get Patrick back on and you can you can tell him that to his face. Uh, and because I'll, 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 I'm going to get a quiz. I'm going to get a quiz together, right? And uh, I'm going to get, uh, it's going to be you two against Patrick. And I'm going to be saying like, oh, so who won in this week, Bubba against whoever? And then Patrick Jackson, I'm going to say, in 1961, who ran for seven yards in that game? Uh, yeah. And you know what? That's going to be my epic come like come back to him in saying that he doesn't like the Rams. How dare he? How dare he say that? How oh, dare, I've oh I've never God. done anything. I, Jake, I, this okay, is okay, this okay, is maybe we've back, gone but. so <laughs> far off topic here that's just gone into a vendetta, personal vendetta of Dave against Patrick, and Patrick's not here to defend himself. Hate speech. Hate speech. Oh yes. my word! I might have to put the Jaguars rules sound soundbite back into this podcast just for oh. Patrick. Jaguars rule. Thank you, Alex. Very good. Uh, so we're going to move on, gentlemen. We come to the Monday night game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks at Lumen Field in front of 68,758 fans. And the big story about this was um, Gino was out. The aforementioned Gino Smith. So Drew Locke had to come in. 22 of 33, 208 yards, one touchdown and that one touchdown came with 28 seconds to go in the game to Jackson Smith and Jigba hope I'm saying that right um mm-hmm. and the Seattle Seahawks come away with a 20 to 17 victory Dave Somerville I know you don't like the Seahawks I don't think as much as you dislike the Jaguars <laughs> right now. I'm not sure what's going on here. But um, Seahawks come away with a win. Eagles are absolutely in free fall right now. Battle of the big birds. What did you make of this one? Yeah, I mean, I mean, one bird took, took a nice big dump on, on top of another one in this one. Um, because I think the eagle became the prey of the Seahawk in this one. And, uh, you know, Drew Locke. Drew Rock was, you know, he's gone from Denver. He's come to Seattle. He was essentially benched. He he lost out to Geno uh, in in his first preseason there, and uh, he's you know he's come back from a lot of adversity in that form because I think he he gave a very emotional post game interview where he said that uh, you know you don't get many opportunities in this league. Um, and he, he was just, he was very overwhelmed. I think that they had managed to pull off this victory, but oh my word, it, it was less about the Seahawks and more about the lack of anything from the Eagles. Um, they, they ran the ball very, very well. Uh, but then every time Jalen Hurts got the ball in his hand, he looked a bit like a liability. Um, I'm not quite sure what's going on. I'm not quite sure what's going on. Uh, I don't like Sidiani, uh, which is quite why I'm not going to be so hard on the Seahawks in this one. I, 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 I think on defense they were very, very good. I think Bobby Wagner was just everywhere. He's he's just an unstoppable linebacker who just seems to be there every single time. Um, but Julian Love as well, two picks all, all, from uh, throws by Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts threw for 143 yards, uh, 17 or 31 in this game, um, whereas Drew Locke was 22 or 33. 
uh, and threw a touchdown as well. So he he played a fairly decent game, but Jalen Hurts walking off with a forty point one uh, passer rating. I mean, if he's he's, I I think this game knocks him out of the MVP race. Uh, and the oh, fact, yeah. I think they embarrassed him. They embarrassed him with the, the what they were doing in practice. So making him practice falling on the ball for fumbles. It's that that's embarrassing. You don't do that to your franchise quarterback. What? What? Why? Why? Who thought that was? It was from a players only meeting. So they wanted him to practice falling on the ball to secure the ball. What a ridiculous thing to do. I'm I'm not happy with that whatsoever. I I think that uh, they've kind of thrown Jalen Hurts under the bus. I think mentally you see he's going to be a bit. He's got you know he's going to be a bit not quite spent, but the pressure uh, obviously and being embarrassed like that. I don't. I don't blame him for being on a downswing because someone needs to pick him up, and you look to your teammates to pick you up. But in this case, it's your teammates that have maybe put him down. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Jalen Hurts, uh, but you you mentioned he's out with the MVP race. That's long gone. I think that ship sailed yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I I'm not sure exactly what's happening with Jalen Hurts, but for some reason, this Eagles team is just the, the offense appears to have just fallen, completely fallen off a cliff. When you think that they, they looked like dynamite over the first six, seven weeks of the season, and it's really, really suffered recently. Uh, Jake, I'll get your opinion on um, on this game, and what do you make of the Philadelphia Eagles? Because it is the big story. I mean, obviously, as Dave mentioned, Drew Locke, it's a sto- that's a story in itself. Uh, but... The big story is the Eagles have absolutely collapsed over the past couple of weeks. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's confidence. I think they started believing in their own hype, and rightly so. They've been one of the best teams in the last like, year or so. And then they've lost a game, and they lost another game, and then lost another game. And we started with the 49ers. You, as soon as you lose once, it's a lot easier to lose two, three times in a row. So, you know, I'm sure they will sort it out, and I suppose... Um, losing now and hopefully getting back on track before the, the postseason isn't the end of the world as long as they can secure all their division. And, you know, the number one seed is now maybe majorly in, in question with the, the 49ers steaming ahead. I mean, if you watch the last drive, I think James Bradbury allowed every single catch on the game-winning 92-yard winning drive, which is brutal. Um, mm. It was really nice to see um, Drew Locke. That, that's the longest touchdown drive Seahawks have had all year. Um, it wasn't like he was going to be the starter all week. They weren't sure if Gino was going to go. So all week he's still getting, you know, second team reps, sometimes first team reps. You know, you, you can't prepare to play. And after he threw the touchdown to uh, JSN, he just had that moment where him and, and Gino were locking eyes and they had a moment. And then honestly, one of the best kind of post-match interviews where he got really emotional and it's really easy to root for Drew Locke. Um, yeah. And just, you know, the confidence that they have in him and the kind of the camaraderie, it was really nice to see, even if it is the Seahawks. And yeah, for for the Eagles, I think they will get it right at some point. I think it, to me, it's just confidence. I don't think there's anything wrong with the players. There's certainly no uh, lack of talent. And then on the back of what Dave was saying and Mark Jalen Hurts, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's honestly disgusting um, to do that publicly and kind of belittle him. And we've heard of like all player meetings but to do all player meetings without your quarterback, who's your franchise quarterback, who, like I say, two, three weeks ago was leading the MVP race. And I have my problems with that anyway, because him setting the record for most rushing touchdowns is very different to what Cam Newton did. But I just, like I say, confidence is the main issue. And to do that publicly, 
I just don't get it. I don't understand kind of what they thought was going to happen by making this guy <laughs> a grown man in practice stand there and practice falling. I'm not sure how that's going to help him play on Sunday or Monday. Just, it just bizarre. Like I said, I think they will sort it out come the playoffs. Um, but the number one seed might be gone. Maybe even their division uh, could be gone if if the Cowboys can sort out on the road. So we'll just have to wait and see with the Eagles. But very rocky road at the moment. It yeah, is. I, think, I still think that I thought. Sorry, I was just going to say they're, they're going to. They're, I think I still think they're going to win out the Eagles because they've got the Giants followed by the Cardinals followed by the Giants again. So I think they'll be fine. I I, I thoroughly think they're going to be fine. So they could they could be if if they win those three games they could be thirteen and four. Yeah, I I, I think so. So uh, you know it's a bad, it's a weird time to call that kind of players meeting um, because. You know, yeah, you've got Seahawks, who obviously were go- always going to be a challenge, but then you've got the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants again. It's I think I think that's you're knocking your quarterback out uh, in the confidence kind of departments. Why? What? What purpose? If you win out those three games, his confidence going to be absolutely fine. If you do that and hang him out to dry, that's just that. That's it's pure stupidity from my point of view. So. What yeah, you well, were thinking? Well, I don't know. well, you're right because the, the timing is is bizarre. Because as we know, the Seahawks are a good team. They've beaten good teams. No, mm-hmm. no one plays the Seahawks, and no one looks at the Seahawks on the schedule and goes, "Oh, well, that's a win." Apart from me, <laughs> I do that with the Broncos, mm-hmm. them, even me. though yeah. even though we lose. But that's not the point. Yeah, no one actually thinks, "Oh, that's that's a win." So why why if you, if you were going to do that, if you're going to do some weird training thing with your quarterbacks like we, we, you know we want you to practice falling on the ball in case in case of fumbled snaps for example because it could be I, I can understand why it's a it's a thing that's practiced especially with the Eagles because you know you do the toothbrush I get that the brotherly mm-hmm. shove whatever you want to call it I get that but to do that and running up to this game it's just bizarre. You're like, you should be concentrating on beating the Seahawks. Because if you win that game, you with no offense to Giants and Cardinals fans, those they will look at those games and go, that's win, win, win. And they will. Yeah. You know, they'll look at that and say, Oh, we can win all three of those games. We just need to get past Seattle. So after you beat the Seahawks, you can then go, right, do you know what we should practice? We should practice um if a ball is fumbled, you know, kick it out of bounds. We should practice, oh, a ball's fumbled on a snap. Jump on the ball. You can, that's, these are the games where you think we can practice the sort of weird things that happen once in a blue moon. You don't do that when you're going up against a very, very tough Seahawks team. It's utterly, utterly bizarre. I'm with you guys. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. Um, but the reality is they lost the game and uh, now they have to win out. They really do. If they want to win this division, they have to win all of those three games. And that just puts extra pressure on them. And the Giants are still going to play the Eagles tough. Even though we'll probably pick the Eagles in those games, the Giants are going to play them full 60 minutes. Gentlemen, that Mm. wraps up our week 15 recap. We're going to you move. Had to take a moment there. <laughs> you had to take a moment there to count the weeks. In I, your I head. did. Shut up. <laughs> We're going to move. On. Move on to our Winifel Awards for Week Fifteen, and we start with Offensive Player of the Week, Jake McGee. I'll put it to you first. Who is your Week Fifteen Offensive Player of the Week? 
Yes, last few weeks, uh, for most of this, I've struggled, and this week I've struggled for other reasons. There was quite a few, um, so I expect maybe a bit of variation this week. I went with James Cook, uh, 25 for 179 on the ground on a touchdown, and 2 for 42 on a touchdown throughout the air. He was the offense. I have gone for um, Baker Mayfield. Uh, it's not often a player gets a perfect passer rating. Six incompletions, 22 of 28, 381 yards, four touchdowns, rating of 158.3 uh, for the Bucks over the Packers. And uh, that, I believe that's Baker Mayfield's first victory at Lambeau Field as well. So I've given it to Baker Mayfield. Dave? You've stolen every single word that I had ready to say there. Yeah, <laughs> Baker Mayfield. I was going. I had all uh, copied down onto my desktop, ready to say it, but you've done it for me, Baker Mayfield. Uh, obviously, James Cook was a very close second, but Baker just he he was in control that entire game. So Baker, he was indeed. Um, we move to defensive player of the week, Jake McGee. Who do you have? I went for Bradley Chubb. He had seven uh, seven tackles, three sacks, two tackles for loss. He had a fumble recovery. He had two strip sacks. He was just an absolute monster on the defensive line. He was indeed, and I was going to go for Bradley Chubb, but I've actually uh, swapped my decision. Uh, I think it was yesterday when I changed my mind on that one. Uh, and I'm going for a man whose name I'm going to absolutely butcher here. So please apologies and bear with me i've gone for tano capasagnon for the new silent k silent g and an additional one yeah i believe it's like passing yo basically passing Tano Passigno, thank you, Jake, uh, for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, five tackles, one assist. He had three sacks, but much like Chubb in the Miami game, the, in, with the Saints, he was everywhere. And he was just, you know, when you watch a game and you see someone and then you think, well, he had, what, 15 sacks and 40 tackles. And then you look at the box score and say, oh, no, he didn't have that. But it looked like he did. So I, I went for Tano Passigno. <laughs> thank you. Dave, who do you have? <laughs> I've got I've given it to Bradley Chubb. He's taken his tally on the forced fumbles to six. He's got nine and a half sacks. You know, he, he was just, there was no blocking him whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, Bradley Chubb all the way. And finally, we come to special teams players, the unit, defense unit. I don't care what this one's called. Uh, Jake, who do you have for this one? I went for the Raiders' defense. I mean, they recovered four fumbles, had a pick six, had a sack fumble, touchdown, they had two other sacks. They made a mockery of the Chargers, and they got a man fired. They got two men fired. Um, so I think that's worthy of a, a shout-out in our team of the week. Yeah, absolutely. I've gone for the Raiders' defense as well. They were, they killed the Chargers. Uh, even just that pick six behind the back, <laughs> to finish them off was utterly ridiculous. I've also gone for the entire Raiders defense. Uh, Dave, any any arguments with that? Uh, I, I mean, I was going to go for the Raiders defense uh, right up until Sunday when Eddie Pinheiro single-handedly beat the Falcons. Uh, so <laughs> it was one man versus 56. So that 53-man <laughs> roster. So uh, Eddie Pinheiro outscoring the entire Falcons team uh, to for the Panthers win uh, there to win 9-7. to So Eddie Pinheiro for me. 
nothing wrong with that at all so gentlemen we're now going to move on and we come to our week 16 rapid fire preview <laughs> and oh my word we start with a thursday night belter the new orleans saints versus the los angeles rams and because because gentlemen you know you're my guys we've got a rams fan and we've got a saints fan and my pickums are out the window I'm going for a tie. I'm going for a 13-13 oh, tie. Hey, the there ain't no way I'm, I'm taking sides in this one. 13-13 tie after overtime. Beat that. Go for it, Jake. Saints, 21 points. Rams, 18 points. Not going to happen, but we go with it anyway. Dave? Uh, I, I think that because that both teams like to cause heart attacks and high blood pressure, I think this is going to go to overtime. And also, obviously, today is my birthday. So if the Rams take an absolute, do this to me on my birthday uh, and, you know, take it to overtime and lose in overtime, I'll be very heartbroken. But I think that we go to overtime and uh, Lucas Haversick, if he does play, is going to kick an absolute worldie from 50 yards to make it 26 points to 23. Dave, you don't need to worry about that because it will go over to overtime, but it'll be a 13 13 tie. I don't know why you don't listen it's to not, me. I just, it's not going to happen. By that time, it won't be your birthday, so it's fine. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> That's it won't true. be your birthday. Oh, I, 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 I'm also have. working tomorrow at nine, so they're, they're, they're going to go on for that extra quarter. <laughs> <laughs> typically. That's exactly I, what you I need. was smart and I took tomorrow off. Yeah, good for yeah. you. Uh, we then have the Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers in a huge game for the AFC North. I'm taking the Bengals. I mean, the Steelers have done nothing offensively recently. Uh, and I've actually got the Bengals winning this one pretty handily. 31-16. to 16. Bengals on the charge. Steelers on the decline. Jake Brown and my guy. Steelers win 2017. Yeah, I, uh, clean sweep. Bengals are going to win 24-13 for me. Jake Brown's to throw for two touchdowns. So the Buffalo Not Bill. a clean sweep. I'm going Steelers. Oh, you've gone Steelers. Oh, so I thought... Yeah, yeah, it's Steelers. Steelers. You've gone Steelers. Oh, you disgust me. This is just going to be us versus <laughs> you. You, you just not listen to what's... <laughs> I'm, taking, I'm taking this podcast personally. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like it's not, a, not even listening to what Jake personally. says. Uh, I, I don't take things personally. I just assumed that Jake was going to pay, uh, take the Jake. So I know what a shaman does. Well, uh, there it, we he go. makes an okay, well, ass out of both of us. Um, and then... 13 Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> the final game on Saturday is the Buffalo Bills at the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Bills are just going to crush them. Chargers have got no chance in this one. Thirty-four to ten to Buffalo. Yeah, don't worry, I I will get back on track with the podcast here. Twenty-eight <laughs> to fourteen Bills. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm almost tempted to pick the Chargers now, but I have a little bit of common sense left in me. Uh, I, I think the Chargers are going to run it a bit closer. I think they're going to have some sort of rebound uh, I, because, you know, being away from Brandon Staley is only going to be positive. Uh, but I'm still picking the Bills to win 27 points to 21. Then I have the Washington Commanders in the first of the Sunday games at the New York Jets. I've got the Commanders winning this one, but it's very close, 16 to 14. I don't know, and I don't like what's going on with the Commanders. I have this been a high-scoring affair. The Jets winning 9-6. to six. I think that it's going to be complete opposite, you guys. I think New York are going to win, but it's going to be a high-scoring. I think it's going to be 
29 points to 27. Fair enough. Uh, we then have the Green Bay Packers <laughs> at the Carolina Panthers. I think the Packers get back on track, but it's going to be a low-scoring affair. This one, I've got the Packers winning this one 16-13. to 13. I've liked what the Packers have done offensively, and I don't worry about the Panthers too much um, threatening their defense, so I've gone 27-10 to the Packers. I'm only one point difference than you, Neil, so I've got tw- uh, 17 points to 13 so, uh, to the Packers. We then have the Detroit Lions at the Minnesota Vikings. I can't decide in this Lions team. I've got no idea what they're going to do. So I'm going to say golf has two good games in a row. Um, and they win this one 30-21 over the Vikings. I've got a, a, a nail-biter, but they win 20-17 to 17 for the Lions. I debated over this one, but uh, I've settled on the Lions, obviously. It's, it was more about what the score was going to be. I've gone for 30 points to 16. And we then have the Indianapolis Colts at the Atlanta Falcons. We've got the Colts winning this one, but it's going to be a scrappy game. They win it 20 to 12. I, I was really torn on this one because the Colts are playing well. I like the, the kind of way they're going. Shane Steichen might be in contention for Coach of the Year. Falcons at home, and I feel like they need a big kind of bounce back, and they basically need to run the table. So I have the Falcons winning 24-20. Oof. Well, the Falcons actually go into this game as uh, the favourites, which I think surprises me. So uh, I'm picking the Colts, though, uh, to win, and it's going to be a scrappy game. Uh, So I'm going to pick that. It's going to be 19-18 to the Colts. We then have the Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans. And I think his Browns defense is just going to be too much for Houston. And they're going to win again with Flacco at quarterback 21-16. I think you're probably right. But I'm still going to go with my Texans. 16-13. to yeah, fair enough, but I, I'm not going with the Texans. I'm going with the Bra- Browns, but I think it's going to be extremely close. The Browns are terrible away from home, I have noticed, and the Texans have been really good at home. However, the Texans maybe kind of stagnating a, re- a wee bit, so uh, I'm going to say that the Browns win in a very low-scoring, scrappy game, 16 points to 14. We then have the Seahawks versus the Tennessee Titans. And I've got Seattle winning again. I think they're on an absolute high. And they've got them winning this one by a score of 27 to 17. Yeah, very similar. 24-14 to hmm. the Hawks. I'm going for upset of the week. I'm picking the Titans. I I am, I, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be very close, actually. But I'm going to pick the Titans to win 24 points to 22. We then have the afternoon games, Jacksonville, I say afternoon games, you know what I mean, the later games mm-hmm. for us. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sorry, Patrick, I'm taking the Bucs at home. And they're going to win this one in an absolute nail bite. Their last second field goal, 29-26 to Tampa Bay. Uh, again, I think you're right. Uh, my pickums might take a beating this week because I'm going different. I think the Jaguars win the Battle of Florida. Uh, 27-21, walk-off, touchdown, and overtime. Ooh. I think that because Baker is so inconsistent, 
that uh, he's going to go from an MVP performance to a Mitchell Trubisky performance in this one. Uh, Why could so you not I, see that right? <laughs> if you're going to see that, it's, no, it's MVP, MVP to MVP. MVP. Yeah, Come to on, M- Dave. Come on. No, that was a layup. And you just, no, that was a layup. That was no, 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 absolutely. That, 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 would, that would acknowledge uh, the fact that Mitchell Trubisky was considered, you know, so, so exciting. Was considered, he was the MVP. It was considered exciting. No, he, no, I mean, like his style he was exciting. He was good, but you know, he's he's just not now. Uh, but I'm I'm very sadly sad to say that I'm picking the Jaguars uh, in this one. It's more because of their ability to win away from home. Uh, is very very good. So I'm I'm going to pick uh, 24 points to 20 for the Jags, but a very very close scrappy game. Uh, we then have the MVP's former team, Chicago Bears, playing close to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and I've got the Cardinals winning this one away from home. And I think the Cardinals are going to put up a lot of points. 30 to 28 over the Bears. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Uh, I think the Bears back end of the season have been a lot better. I think Justin Fields uh, has improved and Darnell Mooney, I forgot to mention his catch or, or his lack of catch meant um, instead of picking fifth, uh, well, instead of picking 12th, they were picking fifth at the moment. That's how big <laughs> of a jump one catch can make. Uh, but I have the Bears winning 22 to 19. Mm, I've got a very, very similar scoreline. But the other way about, because I've got the Cardinals winning this one, wow. 23 points to 20. By myself with the Bears. Ah, you're lone Bear wolfing down. it. We're lone wolfing it. Uh, we then have the Dallas Cowboys at the Miami Dolphins. One of these teams has to beat the other. It could be a tie, but it's not going to be because I've already got a tie in the Saints-Rams game. <laughs> and I think the Dolphins are going to win. And I think the Dolphins are going to win huge. Because Ooh. I think two, I gets the ball out too quickly for this Cowboys uh, defense to get anywhere near him. And if Tidy kills back, which I think he is for this week, Dolphins 41, Cowboys 20. I thought long and hard about this game. The Cowboys are away from home. They've just been run over by the Bills. Mm-hmm. And then they get the second best rush attack in the NFL. So I've gone the Dolphins, 35 to 28. Raheem Mostert probably scores every single touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I was kind of out there with the, the, the picking the Dolphins, because I am picking the Dolphins. Um, the, the ESPN analytics have got this game as 49.8% chance of uh, the Cowboys winning and 49.8% chance of the Dolphins winning. So they can't really split them. However, I think we can because we know how that we know how the Cowboys play away from home. So I'm picking the Dolphins to win by 34 points to 16. Then have the New England Patriots at the Denver Broncos. And if there's one thing I can guarantee is that the Broncos will give me a heart attack this week. Um, <laughs> the Broncos are going to win. They're going to win 17 to 14. Last minute. Touchdown catch by Cortland Sutton. 17-14, Denver Broncos. Don't worry. I've got you covered. Broncos win 25-13. No sweat. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually think this is going to be a low, low-ish scoring game. Uh, I've, got, I've got the Broncos to win. We've got a clean sweep with the Broncos. Clean sweep this time. Uh, but I'm going to pick them to win 20 points to 10. 
I honestly think that if it's Bailey Zappi or whoever is quarterbacking, are going to have their best game ever as a Patriot against the Broncos. I honestly think that. <laughs> it's a low bar, too. It's a very low bar. <laughs> <laughs> we then have the Las Vegas Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs, and I was so tempted to pick the Raiders. You have no idea. I actually had the Raiders winning this game, and then I changed my mind at the last minute, and I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs, but it's going to be close. It's going to be 20-17 to 17 to Kansas City. Yeah, a nine and a half point spread last time I checked with the Chiefs. Uh, but I've got it quite close as well. I've got them winning, but 24 to 20. Yeah, it's a 10 point spread now, uh, which is very interesting. So, um, yeah, I, I, I th- I'm very in the same uh, ballpark. I, I, I cannot separate them because I think the Chiefs are not reliable and the Raiders are the Raiders. So uh, it just is very, very difficult. Uh, I have settled on the Chiefs, but it's going to be a late drive with a late field goal uh, from uh, Harrison Butker. I think they're going to win by 27 points to 24. Then have the New York Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, this is actually... So this is one of the two sort of the Monday night games. This is the earlier one, so it's actually uh, kicking off around half past nine, I think it is. Um, and I was... I was really tempted to go for the Giants, but then I remember the Eagles always beat the Giants. And mm-hmm. I'm taking the Eagles, but a lot closer than I think a lot of people think. And it's going to be 19 to 17 to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Giants had their, their comeback to earth game and the Giant, uh, well, and, and the Eagles desperately need a get right game. So I've got them winning 31 to 17. Uh, I'm going Eagles all the way. It's going to be 27 points to nine. They just get back to business as usual. We then finish up with the uh, late game on the Monday night, which is the San Francisco 49ers playing close to the Baltimore Ravens, which has to be game of the week. It's it's basically first seed against first seed. And I've got the 49ers winning. And I've got them winning big. Even though the Ravens have a great defense and Lamar is is great, and I get that, but this 49ers team is just doing things I've not seen in a long, long time. And I've got them winning this one by a score of 31 to 18. It's a a Super Bowl rematch. It's a Super Bowl preview, question mark. Possibly. Uh, I, I do have the 49ers, but I have it a lot closer. I've got them winning 30 to 27. I don't like either of these teams, but there's one I like a lot more. I like a lot more than the other, and I, I'm go, I'm going to pick my only other upset of the week. I'm going to pick the Ravens to win this because I think that Ravens defense could stop the 49ers offense, but which is why I'm going for a very low scoring game. I think the Ravens are going to win 19 points to 17. Oh, I like it, gentlemen. That wraps up at week 16 rapid fire preview so we come to the final segment and it is of course random stats random stats random stats uh dave why don't you kick us off with random stats this week what have you got for us yeah i've got just a very brief one um because you know there there was there's quite a few records that have been set this week um uh, we've spoken about one or two of them already um, but obviously the the person that I vote that I would vote for MVP set one as well. Um and that he joint he's now joint top uh, as 
most career games with at least one rushing touchdown and one receiving touchdown, and that is Christian McCaffrey. He now jo- he's now joint top on fifteen in his career. That's ridiculous, and he's he's going to keep going. It's going to happen again, so he's going to break that record. But do we have any idea who he is joint with? I'm going to get. Uh, is he joined with one person or more than one? One, one. I'm going to guess. Roger Craig. Craig, okay. And any raise from Jake? I'm going to go with someone you mentioned earlier, Little LT. Ooh. Well, neither of you are right. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so it's actually Marshall Falk. But there is there is another player that is still well, there is another player that's still playing that is very high up that list that you might not quite expect. So um, you've got two players on twelve, which is Brian Westbrook and Lenny Moore. But then back on eleven is Jim Brown and Alvin Kamara. So yeah, that's one to watch out for. But uh, yeah, Christian McCaffrey, another record, which is very painful to admit. But I still think Chris McCaffrey should be MVP, and that it takes a lot for me to say that. But it, I, I don't see how it can even be questioned because he's done everything this year. He's you know, I, did he not throw a touchdown as well? I, I see that pass in my yes. I don't want to say what game that was, but uh, yes, I do believe that did happen uh, allegedly. But uh, yeah, and of course, you know, he's just breaking record after record. So. Um, yeah, but it's, I'm not going to say shout out to Christian McCaffrey, but uh, congratulations, I think it should be said, yeah, that he joins one of, one of the elite receiving backs in Marshall Falk. Um, good good start, though. Good start, Dave. Um, in for one. In for one. <laughs> um, so why don't I go next? Um, this random start was actually nominated by one of our listeners, Christian Cooksey, who we know is a Raiders fan. Um, and his random stat is that um, the Raiders became the first team since the 1950 LA Rams to have eight different players score a touchdown in one game. An old 1950 LA Rams, Dave. They, they keep these, these Rams in the 50s keep popping up in, in random stats. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. The Raiders, eight Brilliant. players uh, scored a touchdown in one game, first time since 1950. There we go. Jake? Well, it's funny you mention that because I also saw this uh, stat and I was worried it would come up when we were talking about the Raiders. So I kind of built off it and found more interesting things. Um, Obviously, the 1950 Rams led by Norm Van Brocklin. The Raiders will now try to become the second team in NFL history with back-to-back games with 60 points when they play the Chiefs on Christmas. Uh, the 1950 Rams beat the Colts 70-27 and then beat the Lions 65-24 in week 6 and 7. And then there was a little extra that I found that the Raiders set a franchise scoring record. And the reason I found this is because it involves both your teams, sadly. Uh, the Raiders topped their own record, which was 59-14, to Victory over the Denver Broncos on October 24th, 2010. Oh. And it was, mm-hmm. and I, don't worry. Actually, this one's better for Dave. Uh, it is really just bad for you. Uh, it was the most points allowed by the Chargers, who gave up 57 to the St. Louis Rams on October the 1st, 2000. So I thought, involves both your teams. 
Uh, and it, I knew at some point the Raiders, that, that, that stat couldn't not come up. So I'm glad Christian brought it up. And I'm kind of glad that I kind of had a backup and built off it. Quite right, Jake, quite right. And thank you for Christian for nominating that random stat. Uh, I do actually have another sort of bonus random stat that it's, it's very short. Um, as you gentlemen may know, uh, the most interceptions in a game by a single player is four. Uh, it last happened when D'Angelo Hall, for the Washington, at the time, Redskins, uh, picked up mm. four passes uh, in t- 2010. But that, the stat is that there are actually 20 players tied with four interceptions in a game. Um, now, as far as three interceptions go in a game, there are loads and loads and loads, but there are only three active players with three interceptions in a game. They are Jordan Whitehead of the New York Jets, 2023, against Buffalo Bills. Andrew Adams of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, in 2018 against the Panthers. And Kevin Bayard of the Tennessee Titans versus the Cleveland Browns in 2017. And that is my random stat. So and there we go. Our, lo- our lovely extra bonus random stat I, I, I do believe though that something has come on twitter in the last kind of 20 minutes from one jake mcgee so jake would you like to tell your uh, final part of another oh. random stat that you have come across yes um maybe ominous going forward um to this night uh, tonight's game uh, let me find it uh, Derek Carr, the, the Saints quarterback, former Raiders quarterback, a lot of Raiders uh, for random stats. Yes. Derek Carr has more career pick sixes against the Rams than touchdown passes. <laughs> Not a great look for, for my hopes going into tonight. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. That's a terrible stat. Oh, my word, that's awful. Um, well, listen. We'll see what happens. 13-13 tie after overtime. I'm calling it. That's what's going to happen. Uh, With pick Jen- six, probably. And Lucas Haversick will miss the extra point. That's what's going to happen. Gentlemen, that uh, that wraps up our podcast uh, for this week. Uh, next week, we will have our Week 16 recap. Uh, week 17 rapid fire preview we'll have our BNFL awards and of course random stats there are three games to go just three games to go all of our teams can still make the playoffs with three games to go I know it's actually bonkers to think that it really is. But the reality is that the uh, Saints are 7-7. Seven and seven. As you see, they're currently ninth, but they're tied with, with the Buccaneers, who've got the fourth seed with 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, Your Los Angeles Rams are currently in seventh place, Steve. So whatever happens mm. tonight between the Saints and the Rams, that's kicking everything off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Broncos are only one game behind the Bengals and the Colts for the six and seven seeds as far as wild cards go. And if the Browns would just lose a couple of games, we would immediately leapfrog them. Mm-hmm. They just will not do it. God dang it. These Cleveland Browns. Um, so we're all still in the playoffs with three weeks to go. The same could not be said for last year. So uh, this year is much more exciting. I should point out to our fans that um, we are closing in on our 100th episode 
of the podcast uh got a couple of special things for you for episode 100 that will actually be in february um approximately you know, nine weeks from now uh eight, eight or nine weeks from now and um we've got a couple of special things a couple of special guests for you for the podcast we're also going to have a giveaway for our 100th episode as well so look out for that on twitter slash x twix we'll go with that uh dave <laughs> somerville thank you very much for coming along today always a pleasure uh, Jake McGee, thank you for coming along. Thank you very much. And happy birthday, Dave. But when the Rams play, it's no longer your birthday, so the gloves are off. The gloves are off, Jake says. Um, that's just true. Very happy birthday to you, Dave. I hope you had a good day. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, I hope you enjoy your team tying tonight with the Saints. And... <laughs> <laughs> I don't Do know which one I think is more of a rat right now. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. A tie, a loss. Yeah, lovely. That Happy birthday, Dave. Yeah, happy birthday, Dave. <laughs> like both me yeah. and Jake say your team's not going to win. But we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. We will see what <laughs> yeah. happens. Um, and thanks to everyone listening in. And we will see you on next week's edition of the WinFL Show, which is a Christmas special. And all that means is I'm going to wear a funny hat. And and the, the pre-Christmas special is basically civil war because yeah, the and the saints are playing each other. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, thanks again. Uh, we'll see you next week. Cheers. <laughs>